Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode number 265, and today, instead of talking about new books released on June 23rd, 2020, we are having a themed show where we'll be talking about some backlist anti-racist and pride picks. I'm Patricia Elsie Tuttle, here with guest Mary Kay McBrayer from the Novel Gazing Podcast and the Fright Stuff newsletter, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Yay, I'm so excited to be here with you today, Patricia, and I can't wait to do this episode. I'm really excited that I got to fill in for Liberty, and she said to tell all of our listeners that she's so sorry she can't be quote-unquote here, but she'll be back next time. Absolutely. I'll be back with Liberty next week, and we'll talk about new books. But Mary Kay, I'm really excited to record with you. I've never recorded with you before. I know. It's going to be brand new. We're going to be best friends. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) I'm really excited. Okay, so before we get to our book picks, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi. If you like pretty things like I like pretty things, I got something for you. The stunning sequel to the worldwide phenomenon Children of Blood and Bone is now available in a deluxe paperback edition with gorgeous spray painted and stenciled edges and an exclusive excerpt of the earth shaking Children of Anguish and Anarchy. Now this is a series for you if you like action, you like world building, you like mythology retellings, lore retellings, specifically of a West African variety has all that and more. It was also an instant number one New York Times bestseller, a good morning America book club pick and now both children of bone and children of virtue and vengeance are available in these deluxe editions they're pretty they're gorgeous the finale to the series is coming June 25th this year so you can get the pretty editions of the first two books and be ready for the last book you see what I'm saying so make sure to check it out and thanks again to children of virtue and vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi for sponsoring this episode Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's will read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets. But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and 
oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies, found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Okay. I think before we talk about our recommendations, did you want to bond over some shared loathing? Oh, yeah. I did want to talk a little bit about earlier this year, I recommended The Upside of Being Down by Jen Gotch here on the All the Books podcast. And it's recently come out that she has done some really racist things at her company Bando, and she has stepped down. And I would like to unrecommend that book. Wow. Okay. I already said during the show I recommended it, like it was like the book was already full of like a lot of privilege and it maybe it wasn't a book for everyone. But I try to be really conscious about the books I recommend. And also I try to recommend authors that I also feel like I could stand behind. And I am... With the new information that's come out that I didn't know when I recorded the earlier show, I would just like to let everyone know that I unrecommend the upside of being down. I'm glad you said that because I have been hearing about that book and I was curious about that book and now I no longer have any interest in it. So thank you for that. And I also just wanted to say like it is always such a supreme disappointment when people that you look up to turn out to be not great people. Right. It's like, on the one hand, I'm like, I'm glad, like, I'm glad I know. I'm glad I know now. Right. And I'm really grateful that we have the information infrastructure where people can't hide their awfulness as well as they could even 20 years ago. Right. But at the same time, it's just like, "Eh, well, your TBR got lighter. (laughs) Right. I mean, why can't y'all just be nice? (laughs) it's so it's so easy to just not be terrible like it is it's really much easier to be nice than it is to be cruel exactly i mean personally i think and granted i know everyone makes mistakes and that's kind of why sort of purpose of this episode right is to be better to do better in these two places and that's in particular being anti-racist and supporting pride so uh my first recommendation is is by Samantha Irby, whom I love. I knew her from her blog back in the day, and now she has just released her third collection of essays, which is called Wow, No Thank You, which is the best title. And it's a series of essays talking about kind of dating life. She just recently got married, so they're an interracial and gay couple, which is, you know, a a twofer as far as difficulties go. Um, She also talks about dealing with her, I I would guess you would call it depression, although I'm not sure that that is how she has identified it specifically. And also a really severe case of irritable bowel syndrome. So it could be so heavy, but it is so funny the way that she writes, especially when it takes the form of a 90s themed playlist, which I love. I've also taught from one of her books before called We're Never Meeting in Real Life. But this one is the collection of essays that just came out, I think, uh, maybe in November of 2019 called Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby. I 
loved that book. It wasn't it great. I I adore Samantha Irby. Me I, it's too. Like, I want to be her friend. I know. so bad. <laughs> I was just going to say it's like my dream to be her friend. Like, yes. Please notice me. One time she liked one of my tweets, and then I fell on the kitchen floor. I was so excited. <laughs> oh my god! I would not be able to handle that. Like if if she ever liked one yeah. of my posts, you could not tell me anything for like a oh, week. No. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So for my first pick, I'm going to talk about a book I talked about earlier this year, but it's worth talking about again. And that is Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. I really, really appreciate that Mickey Kendall wrote this book and that it is available for everyone. I have both listened to it on audiobook and read the ebook version. Quick general content warnings for anti-blackness, eating disorders, domestic violence, but the point of this book is that there are all kinds of hard things that we must talk about when we talk about feminism, and yet a lot of white feminism tends to leave these things out. The title is aptly descriptive. This collection of essays talks about how feminism has failed and is failing so many women who are not white, cisgender, able-bodied, affluent, and straight. While some of the essays focus on black women specifically, other essays start with a narrow focus and then widen to show the full scope of who is being left out of the feminism conversation. Mickey Kendall pens essays on many issues that are indeed feminist issues, but are rarely treated as such. She talks about how gun violence is a feminist issue, how the likelihood that domestic violence will end in homicide increases when there's a gun in the home, how gun violence is keeping girls from going to school, how gun violence affects mothers, wives, sisters of victims, how many gun violence victims are actually women. And related to this is police brutality as a feminist issue. How many of those brutalized or killed by police are women or have left behind daughters or spouses or mothers? So many other issues are also discussed that feminism should be focusing on because they are women's issues, like hunger and food insecurity, eating disorders in the black community, education access, housing access, colorism, maternal mortality, and more. A section I particularly appreciate is titled The Fetishization of Fierce. Everyone loves a sassy, strong black woman, and everyone's just like, yes, queen, and you go, girl. And people are always really impressed by black women's firm boundaries until we draw those boundaries with them, and then suddenly we're seen as angry and toxic and aggressive. And this essay about that was music to my ears. This is one of the most important books I've read so far this year. If you consider yourself a feminist, you need to read this book. I learned so many things, and the surprisingly narrow scope I had in some of my own feminist views, and it's helped me consider situations that I have unknowingly left out. Again, that book is Hood Feminism, Notes from the Women That a Movement Forgot by Mickey Kendall. So added to cart great sold that was quite the pitch i love that and i man just even like the more specific examples that you were talking about i was like i could probably be doing more like i should you know know more than i know and i think that is really important to always continue learning yeah it's a really accessible read too oh great okay because i was kind of intimidated by it while you were saying i was like this is going to be some (laughs) 
very academic, critical, you know, language. And I'm down with that. Like, I'm I'm cool with reading it. I just, you know, you got to kind of get in that headspace. Absolutely. No, this is very much a book for people who have never read about feminism or mm-hmm. never read about anti-racism. And I think it's a good entry point for people. Oh, great. Okay, because I'm going to start. I'm going to get that book, read it, love it, and then start recommending it to people who are asking me, like, what do you do? Because I've been seeing that a lot, like, particularly with people who are well-intentioned, realize that good intentions are not enough and don't really know what to do. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So well, I like that. Thank you for, for sharing that with me. Sure. And I'll make sure to tell them that it's really accessible, too, because I feel like that is such a deterrent. Yeah, it could be really intimidating because there it are definitely can. books out there that are, like you said, very academic and and people aren't necessarily able to immediately apply it to their lived experience or the experience of the people around them. So this is a good one. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. I tend to, and I don't want to say like lean away from the theoretical sort of feminism, but it, you're, you're right, it is hard to apply. And I think for that reason, like y'all will probably notice while you're listening, a lot of the books that I recommend are narrative in that they're not necessarily a how-to, but they're a lived experience so that you can kind of put yourself in the situation of the characters or the or the author, writer, narrator, and learn empathy that way. Because so so much of the time, it's, it just seems like, you know, you, you want to care, you just don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so I think for for that reason... And for me in particular, reading the narrative from those perspectives, from those marginalized perspectives, really helps me learn a lot and get into a place where I can read the kind of theory that may not personally or may apply to me, you know, individually, but definitely applies to people I care about. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm going to take it very less heavy, (laughs) although you said (laughs) yours wasn't that heavy, but... Um, Carmen Maria Machado is another woman whom I absolutely adore and need to be friends with immediately. I just am obsessed with all of her writing. She seems like the coolest. But this book, it comes out in its compendium. It's a graphic novel in parts. It's called The Low, Low Woods, and I just finished it yesterday. Uh, it has been released, though, in serial, I think is the phrase, but where it's it, four, the four parts are out. The compendium is not yet. That comes out in late September. But it's a sort of science fiction horror that is feminist and its two main characters are lesbian but not in a relationship with each other. They're very, very best friends since childhood. And I heard in the talk that she gave for, I believe it was either Book Expo or Book Con, but I get them confused. It was a virtual talk where she said like she was really excited to do the comic, but she needed to be sure it was okay to have like one character who was black and one character who was fat and they both needed to be queer for the sake of representation because when I think of comics that's not who the protagonists generally are and I think that representation is important in all media so uh this is really cool it's it's taken place in the town of Shudder to Think which is excellent it's a coal mining town and the mines as happen sometimes catch on fire but that's not all there is to it because you also have a town witch, you have the human sinkholes, you have 
large lapses in people's memory where they just forget whole chunks of their lives. And it's also beautiful. was really excited to get it in color because it had the electronic version. And I was like, oh no, my e-reader is black and white only. And then I just read it on my computer. That's how good it was. But yeah, that's The Low, Low Woods by Carmen Maria Machado. That sounds excellent. It's so cool. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm I'm definitely a comic book fan, though. Although, did you say this was horror? It is. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I, I envy your love of horror and your ability to read horror, which, like, a lot of people are surprised I don't because, like, my first tattoo was a bat. And, like, I have an entire glass case full of, like, taxidermy and I have creepy dolls and, like, I have all this creepy stuff because I like creepy stuff. But I cannot handle horror books or movies anymore. Like, okay, I'm an absolute okay. I'm an absolute chicken. Like, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I respect that. I also get scared pretty easily, but I have to learn everything I can about it so I can avoid it. Like that's, <laughs> that's sort of the, where I am as far as like consuming horror, because I do, I am scared of everything. Like I, if somebody knocked on my door right now, I would not answer it. It is the middle of the day, but I don't open the door for unexpected guests. That is just Scooby-Doo taught me that when I was a small child. Exactly. <laughs> I remember the other, it was maybe a couple of weeks ago, I was in bed and I was warm and my wife recommended I hang my foot off the edge of the bed. And I was like, are you insane? That's how <laughs> monsters get me. Are it's you so mad? Like you don't hang <laughs> your arm or leg off the edge of the bed. <laughs> you never know what is down there. Exactly. This one time my friend went and stayed over at her special friend's house and she found under the bed a glass of milk. A glass of milk. What? A glass of milk <laughs> under his bed. Nope. What? Nope. That's yeah. what. Nope. I just mm -mm. turn around and walk right. Mm -mm. I'm bust through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> Absolutely not. What kind of mandrake bananas potion? Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> I draw <laughs> the line right there. I'm very alarmist when it comes to anything scary. But I do have to read it. Okay. So, so I can avoid it in real life. <laughs> well, so it's really great that I love that you're recommending a bunch of fiction and stuff like that because I recommend a lot of nonfiction. And I think actually all my picks today are nonfiction. So unbeknownst to us, it's a really, it's a really good synergistic fit here. It's something for everyone. Yeah. So I am also going to recommend a comic now. It's a quick and easy guide to they them pronouns by Archie Bon Giovanni and Tristan Jimerson. This delightful little graphic guide has information for a range of people, starting with information on what pronouns are to some advice for people who use gender neutral pronouns themselves. So a little background, the Oxford English Dictionary traces the singular they back to 1375, and most of us are already familiar with using it. For example, if I'm sitting in a restaurant, remember restaurants, um, <laughs> and a group of people 
people at a table nearby leaves, I may look over and say, oh, someone left their sunglasses. Like clearly one pair of sunglasses doesn't belong to all four people. So this book focuses on using they, them pronouns as singular for a person who may identify as non-binary. Archie Bongiovanni uses they, them pronouns, and their co-author Tristan uses he, him pronouns. I really like that they've co-authored because readers get information from both the perspective of the person who uses the pronouns and their lived experience, as well as from a person who uses gendered pronouns and has been learning to implement gender-neutral pronouns in use at his restaurant. There are a number of gender-neutral pronouns that a person can use. V, Z, per, so many more. You can find charts on the internet. And while this book focuses on they, them pronouns, everything in this book can be applied to other gender-neutral pronouns as well. If you're looking for reasons why a person uses gender-neutral pronouns, that information is not in this book. And the truth is there are many, many reasons why a person may use gender-neutral pronouns, and it's actually not necessary for you to know why in order to use them. Archie talks a little bit about how it feels when people misgender them and use the wrong pronouns, and how impact can matter more than intent. There is advice on how to ask for someone's pronouns as well as how not to and what to do if you get someone's pronouns wrong. The book also touches a bit on gender neutral pronouns for groups. So instead of hey, saying like, hey guys or hey ladies, and yes, I know people like to argue that guys is gender neutral, but no matter how much you argue it, it's, it's actually not gender neutral, no matter how much you want to say that. And besides, there's so many words you can use instead. Like this book suggests, hey everyone, or hey y'all, or hey folks. Personally, I like to to add that like fools and peasants and people of earth are also all gender neutral. <laughs> I really appreciate the section on what to do if you witness someone using the wrong pronouns for a friend because I know I tend to get like a deer in the headlights when that happens around me because I have many different friends who use a variety of pronouns so it helps to practice having something prepared and to talk with your friend first to say like how would you like me to handle this situation if it comes up. Finally there's a section for folks who who are non-binary where Archie gives some advice on coming out and finding support. They pack so much information into this small, affordable, 64-page book. It can fit in a pocket. It can be purchased and handed out to people. It could be left in the break room at work. I really appreciate this book. And again, that title is A Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns by Archie Bongiovanni and Tristan Jimerson. I think that is such a great thing to have done and to have written out because I know that the last thing I want to do is offend anyone on accident, especially. Um, and it and it is hard to ask, you know, it's, it's because you don't want to offend anyone. So I think that is so nice. Right. And it's really, I like that it exists because it also takes the pressure off the person using the pronouns to constantly yes. educate people. I yes. love being able to just be like, here's a resource. Like I am a librarian by trade. Like I have a master's in library science. And so like the thing I love most is being like, here's a book about it. 
<laughs> so yeah, it's really wonderful. Yeah, that's so great because, okay, so I know that this comparison is kind of apples to oranges, but I'm ethnically ambiguous and I live in the American South, if y'all couldn't hear from my voice. And so, uh, I mean, growing up, like people I didn't even know would come up to me and ask, like, what are you? And I would be like, well, that's really rude, you know? And it, right. And it, they didn't know that. Like there was no way they could have, especially like kids, right? Right. But I would, I was just thinking about like, That was exhausting for me. I can't imagine how exhausting, you know, having to constantly correct or answer questions about it while you're dealing with internally. Right. Work everything together. And like, it's so often just none of people's business, but they do come from a good intention. And I mean, that's the whole point of this episode, right? Is to say like, we know you don't know. Here's how you can know. Yeah, yeah. here's how you you can know. And here's how you can work on yourself so that you aren't putting the pressure on other people to educate you. Like, Right, right. I think also if uh, I have not been in this situation, so I don't want to make it sound like I have, but if someone has never even been in like an even sort of similar situation, they may not know. Right. That that is exhausting. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So that doesn't make you a good or bad person. It just means you need to grow a little. And yeah. this is, and a quick and easy guide to they and them pronouns sounds like it will help a lot of people out a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for recommending that one. Okay. My turn. So I couldn't choose between these two books by the amazing Alex Haley. I know that I promised mostly fiction, but this these are both nonfiction, but they are narrative nonfiction, and they're both real important. I'll do a real quick summary of each and then reiterate at the end. Uh, Roots is the saga of an American family. It came out, and I believe... The early 70s, but right uh, at the the turn of the civil rights movement as a sort of history for black people whose history has been all but erased intentionally and forgotten. So, for example, you know, many people can trace their family history through court documents where, you know, that's not really possible for a lot of American black people. Roots kind of does that family saga in a way that's really accessible and gratifying. And it, and if you are not familiar with that sort of struggle, then you get to see it from a firsthand account. And it, I know that a lot of y'all probably have heard of this book before and then seen how big it was and been like, I'm going to watch the movie with LeVar Burton, which I also support, but the book is just fantastic. Also, Autobiography of Malcolm X is what it sounds like. It starts in his childhood and then continues up until, I believe, shortly before his assassination. I learned so much from that because he he just experienced so much in his life. And he was in Harlem during like the big era of jazz and swing. And then he got um, incarcerated because he took the fall for a whole group of people. And while he was in prison, he learned so much about Black Islam. And it I just I learned so much from that. And if your history about civil rights is a little rusty, which I think for some of us who who didn't receive super um, great public school education, and by great, I mean inclusive, those two books are like, I mean, do it. They're long, but they're accessible, and you won't regret having read them because, I mean, they're just... From narrative to historical fact, there's so much in there. It's just fascinating. And those are both by Alex Haley, Roots, and The Autobiography of Malcolm X. 
I have a confession. I haven't read either of those. And yeah, I'm definitely intimidated by the size of those books. Well, you are in for a treat whenever you do it. They are long, but they they move really okay, really quickly. Like I know some of the books that I love and recommend, especially because you know I do literary nonfiction mostly. They're like real heavy, and then at the end of the sentence, you have to be like, okay, what did I just read? And then sometimes it's like, where did this sentence begin? You know, like I don't even know how to chunk this down into smaller to understand sections. But that's not the case with either of these. They both are like one. They move, like I said, they move at a pretty quick clip. They are, they're narrative. So they're nonfiction, but they read like novels, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Which I really like. Yeah. I appreciate that. You're in for such a treat whenever you get around (laughs) to them. Well, before we get to more book picks, let's hear from our sponsor. Okay, for my next pick, it's another book that I've talked about on the All the Backlist episode, um, one of them last year. And again, it's worth talking about. And that is The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love by Sonia Renee Taylor. There are some quick content warnings, um, discussions of suicide, homophobia, racism, and transphobia. While this book often gets categorized with other books in the body positivity movement, I don't see it as your typical body positivity manifesto. The focus is on what the author refers to as radical self-love, which is not to be confused with self-esteem or self-confidence, though these things are related. The first chapter explores Taylor's definition of radical self-love and positions it as something beyond self-acceptance or body neutrality, which she describes as a ceasefire or, or like a body neutrality is kind of like having a truce with your body. One of my favorite lines in the book is what she says about body shame, which is, we didn't give it to ourselves and we are not obligated to keep it. I love this idea of Marie condoing the bad feelings we have about our bodies and just getting rid of them because they don't spark joy. And they were given to us like that. It's not even something that we wanted for ourselves. The concept of intersectionality is brought in early on in the book because our bodies are never just one thing. My body is black and queer and chubby and cisgender and all sorts of things. And these things not only affect on how I view my body, but also how my body is treated by society. And this book isn't just focused on fat bodies, but on all our different bodies, trans bodies and bodies with disabilities and bodies of varying ethnicities. As the author writes, quote, our experiences of body shame are layered upon and impacted by the intersections of our identities. Of course, there are whole sections of this book about how media and companies profit from people's body shame, as well as part of this book on what the author refers to as body terrorism, which is all of the pressure and terrorism from society against our bodies that both perpetuates body shame and supports body-based oppression. So it's important to recognize that this book isn't just about shame and body terrorism and then radical self-love, but it's a guide. It's a guide to cultivate radical self-love in ourselves. And the author provides an intellectual, ex- like intellectual exercises and frameworks to figure out how we can show our bodies and the bodies of other people both empathy and compassion. It's a quick read. It's not a super huge book. It's really fantastic. I highly recommend it. 
It is The Body is Not an Apology, The Power of Radical Self-Love by Sonia Renee Taylor. That sounds wonderful, too. I think we could all benefit from more self-love, especially when it's when it's not super easy all of the time. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, when we learn to respect our own bodies, then we can learn to respect other people's bodies, too. That's so true. My turn again. So I saved this one for last because it is everything. It is called Middlesex. It's by Jeffrey Eugenides. Where to begin? Okay. So it's a family story, and it is also a a sort of character study in that the main character is intersex, which means they have both primary sex traits. And it kind of traces the coming of age of the main character, as well as uh, the family dynamics. And it's it's just so compelling. Like, I've read it several times. And yeah, it goes all the way back to Greek myth and through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and into the 2000s about gender identity. And it is uh, narrative fiction. I think it won some awards but it's real good. Like, I can't oversell it. Um, I don't want to tell y'all too much because it's so good that I don't want to risk spoiling it. But that's Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. That one's been on my TBR for a while. It's real good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's real good. It must be if you've read it multiple times, too. And it's not small. No, it's it's also not a small book. <laughs> right. It, the way it's put together is really fascinating because you have like the mythology and the family lore in the beginning and then it's they immigrate to america from greece during oh i'm getting my history is failing me the the war between the the turks and the greeks in the 20s i i fail yeah i I, fail um but they uh i'm like i had an american (laughs) education so (laughs) um but they are refugees into uh 19 teens I think New York and then Detroit. And, oh, wow. Which is real different from yeah. from very traditional Greek society. And it's it is really good. Like, I don't want to say too much more because I'll spoil it, but it's real good. Excellent. For my last book, um, I have another quick and easy guide. And this one is to Queer and Trans Identities by Maddie G and J.R. Zuckerberg. Um, and there are also, I think, more quick and easy guides coming out this year, like one for consent and one for sex and disability. Like they're really, they're, I love these little books. So a quick and easy guide to queer and trans identities is a super beginner's guide for both people who are figuring out their own queer and or trans identity, as well as people who are in their support network who want to learn more about queer and trans identities. By no means is the information in this book exhaustive. It is a small comic book, again, like the guide to they, them pronouns that I talked about earlier, um, that can fit in a large pocket and it covers the basics of some common questions. The main characters are snails and some non-humanoid creatures, which I really appreciate. And it's clear that the authors don't want you to assign gender to the characters, which is a really good thing to practice in general. It's a great, non-intimidating, non-overwhelming resource, which I appreciate personally to alleviate some of the emotional labor involved in educating people about queer and trans identities. 
It's written in a format where each little section is titled by a question, then some discussion about the answer or multiple answers to the question. And it begins with the question, what is queer? Which is wonderful because that's a question that a lot of people have. Many people who are under the LGBTQ umbrella can be confused by it. They're like, I know what lesbian is. I know what gay is. But what do you mean by queer? And so queer is not as seemingly, and I'm making little air quotes, as clear as those two. And the truth is that queer can mean different things to different people. And some people are also concerned that it used to be a slur. And this book addresses that as well and how a lot of us have reclaimed the word. The book also offers simplified information on the definitions of and differences between gender and sex and sexual orientation and attraction, as well as gender expression. I appreciate that asexuality has its own multi-page section because asexuality itself is a wide umbrella that a number of diverse sorts of attractions or non-attractions can fit under. Like the guide to they-them pronouns, this guide to queer and trans identities has a section on coming out with tips and things to think about during your process. There's also a section in this book that caught me by surprise, but not in a bad way, because I think it totally belongs in this book. And that section is on relationship basics and what some signs of healthy relationships are and also what some flags are, some red flags. So the thing is, a lot of us as teens learn about relationships from what is modeled in our life and what we see in media. And it's rare that any of us, especially those of us in the LGBTQIA plus crowd, are given a resource before mistakes are made, right? And so this is such a great little resource highly recommend a quick and easy guide to queer and trans identities by maddie g and jr zuckerberg i love these quick and easy guides they're so uh they're so good and there's pictures yeah and they're little and they're little comics and like i've bought some for elder people in my life but I've also bought some for teens in my life. Like they're so accessible and they're just really a really great little resource. It sounds like it. It sounds like they're good copies to have on hand. Absolutely. So what are you going to read next? So (laughs) I'm sticking with uh, comics about gender um, and I'm reading Gender, a Graphic Guide by Meg John Barker. It came out last November. Okay, cool. How about you? I have not yet started it, but I'm about to start a book called Interlibrary Loan by Jean Wolfe. I don't know a whole lot about it. It uh, is a scary book, and I'm excited for it. This is what the jacket copy says. Hundreds of years in the future, our civilization is shrunk down, but we go on. There is advanced technology. There are robots, and there are clones. I don't know what it's going to be about, but I'm excited for it. Oh my gosh, that does sound, I'm like, should I try it? I don't know. Do I I ever want to sleep again? Who knows? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Well, that's it for today. Thank you to our sponsors. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com. Mary Kay, where can people find you on the internet? Okay, so my author page is just my name. It's MaryKayMcBrayer.com. 
Uh, my Twitter handle is mkmcbrayer, and my Instagram handle is marykmcbrayer. It's just, if you know my name, you got them. Like, that's it. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Excellent. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the info file, as in the lover of information. And you can also find my newsletter at theinfofile.substack.com. If you loved our show and you want to leave us a little treat, you can review us on Apple Podcasts. As much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com backslash all the books, as well as a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And as always, happy reading. <laughs>